Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We speak today to Alistair Clayton, who is an executive director at Artemis Resources. They are an ASX Explorer story. Um, been a bit of a train wreck for the last two and a half years. Shares are absolutely being hammered. Um, the new management team came in towards the end of last year, put six million bucks in in October, another two and a half million in January, February this year. Plus, they've got the ability to kind of cash in the shares which they receive um, by selling off the last 50% of the JV to Novo resources for their Purdy's reward project. That could be another seven million bucks. So they have the cash to deal with a turnaround story. We talked to them today about how they're going to do it, what they're doing, the timing of that, and also about their Radio Hill plant what is the capability there and given its care and maintenance uh, what is the time for getting that back online so lots to uh, go through um, we went through the business plan and uh, how they hope to achieve those goals so enjoy the podcast Alistair how are you doing sir yeah good morning morning fantastic thanks good morning where in the world are you I'm in sunny London. In fact, not so sunny London this morning. All right. All right. How are things down there? Yeah, good. Good. Uh, a bit quieter than we'd like, but uh, now we're not going on holidays. Hopefully everyone will be back at work. Oh, don't remind me. Don't remind me. Hmm. I think I've just cancelled the third holiday of the year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, slanting gritted teeth. Hey, well, look, yes. um, you're going to talk to us about Artemis Resources today. So sure. why don't you kick off first of all, just give us a one-minute overview of what Artemis is, and then we'll kind of get into the sales pitch bit by asking some questions in a second. Sure. Look, Artemis is a gold explorer and developer, overused work developer. Um, it has both Jork Resources, Greensfields Exploration, and uh, you know a super high alpha uh, exploration target in the Patterson that uh, many of your listeners will be pretty familiar with the area given the recent success or couple of year overnight success of Greatland Gold. But yeah, um, that's our that's our core offer. Okay, brilliant. Um, just looking at the share price since sort of the end of 2018 through to through to quite recently, it's been a bit of a, a train wreck in terms of share price. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. You guys are relatively new to this, so I think maybe you want to tell the new story to this. So why don't you kind of kick people off and help us understand what why you've come in, what strategy, what what vision have you got for? resurrecting this business uh, and how you're going to do it. Yeah, sure. Look, it's pretty easy to see. The company scaled the heights in 1718 and came sliding all the way back down the other way. Um, in business, sometimes it's fair, sometimes it's unfair, but it's the price on the screen that matters. Um, we always love the assets in the company. Uh, and as a previous, uh, prior to my joining as a group of investors, uh, we love the assets. Um, we uh, helped fund the company last year uh, and we came in on another round when I joined. Um, I guess there was a realisation that we had a vision from a management perspective that was streamlining the business. Uh, we felt that despite the fantastic quality assets picked up by previous management, um, there were too many of them. Uh, it confused people as to where the company was going. Um, so, yeah, myself, I joined end of January. Mark Potter, our chairman. Uh, ex-fund manager, Audley Capital, Metal Tiger, Trident Resources, uh, uh, which are gold royalty company. Um, he joined a couple of weeks after. So 
in that interleaving period, you know, we've taken time, we've, we've streamlined the asset base, we've chosen the best two assets, West Pilbara, East Pilbara, and we'll probably go into that later. But I think uh, we also then laid out a plan for divesting assets. Um, and we've managed to achieve some pretty outstanding results, if we don't say so ourselves. You know, we, um, we've got about $7 million worth of Novo stock that's uh, just come out of escrow, which is a non-dilutionary form of funding for our company. We, we raised $5.6 million last year. So, you know, we're cashed up. Um, cashed up doesn't mean you go around wasting money. Cashed up means you execute your plan. Um, so really, in terms of turning the company around, uh, I'd be a liar if I said I was going to win a Nobel Prize for business management. Uh, we felt that a lot of the changes that needed to be made and were made were, frankly, relatively simple. So we've come in, we've streamlined the business, we've uh, top down uh, corporate governance management uh, change of the way we run the company and certainly the cost base of the company as well. Um, and off we go. So timing's everything. Um, and of course, you know, I couldn't ignore the fact that the wind has changed from the storm jib to the, to the spinnaker in terms of the gold market. And, uh, you know, we'll take that. It all, it all helps. Um, you, said, you said, right, we've picked the best two assets. I mean, what did you know? Because the moment you've kind of got a resource on one of them of, you know, 418,000 ounces, you know, in the scheme of things, is not really anything. Um, what do you know about those assets should make you, you know, make that claim that they are the two best? Yeah, look, um, starting in the West Pilbara, which is Carlo Castle Resource, I was quite surprised when I had a look at Carlo and I put my hand up and I think uh, I think 99.9% .9 of gold geologists who I started my career in Australia uh, would, would, if they were being truthful, would admit that they didn't believe the Pilbara was capable of hosting world-class gold deposits. So when I had a look at joining the company and did my DD, uh, which included some resource work from some trusted friends, um, I looked at the resource, uh, Carlo, with some scepticism. Um, is classic. Is is it the classic old resource dusted off for a bull market? Uh, is the grade, is the geometry, is the metallurgy going to stack up? Uh, is this just a cynical exercise? And, and, and I'll be going to be frank with you, I was utterly surprised. It was a virgin discovery made by the company. Uh, the grade as it stands is on the good side of the mean curve. The geometry is great. It's shallow. Uh, and I think we can go into it in more detail. I was surprised at the ease of which those ounces gave themselves up. I won't pine on that. I think when we get into the project, I can talk a bit more about that, but keep that first and foremost in your mind. Uh, and then that horribly overused word, underexplored area. Um, you know, typically that would mean two or three drill programs across in your, in your classic, more mature greenstone belt environments. But we're dealing with reasonably unknown structural proterozoic domains in, in the Pilbara. Um, it was always an iron ore region, uh, so why on earth would you be looking for gold? Um, and again, our change, our thinking has changed, step change for a range of reasons. Firstly, the work we're doing, uh, but very importantly, the work other people are doing. Um, and as you're probably aware, DeGray's had huge success on a looking five, probably heading towards 10 million ounces uh, over at their Hemi, Greater Hemi project. And I think that's changed the, you know, Exploration is a confidence game. Um, and in exploration, you're, you're a mug and a cost center until about 10 seconds after you discover something and then you're a hero. Um, and I think what has happened is that other success has, it empowers you as a team to say, right, we now know what the size of the prize might be in this area. So, you know, we'll get into what we're gonna do up there uh, in the West Pilbara, 
But that resource is far from meaningless. Clearly at its current size, it is not what we would consider uh, you know, a, a million ounce minimum. You know, we use the million ounce as the 40 foot container of global gold projects. It's the tradable unit size, but we're extremely confident we're going to be able to take this project well through the million ounce. Based on what? Uh, through the, but based on through what? Through the drill bit and through through expiration. Um, no, no, what gives, you, what gives you the confidence? Yeah, it's easier to say and you're saying it. So yeah. what, what leads you to believe that? Um, first of all, you don't have a lot of cover up there. You know, typically in around the sort of Kalgoorlie, classic Kalgoorlie, you're doing geochem, you know, effective geochem drilling or geochemical work to get through 30, 40 metres of sort of lateritic cover. You've got actually pretty bare geology up there that surprisingly, uh, in terms of, you know, simple ground mapping, which is a dying art in the industry, shows up structurally controlled shear zones, gossens and those sorts of things that you would have assumed have been picked over. Now, Important caveat, they were picked over in the 1930s in the Depression era, which is, again, classic in gold in, in more mature countries, but they were never followed up. And, 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 and again, I put my hand up. If, if you told me this, this time last year we'd be having a discussion, I probably would have given you a very different answer. In fact, I would have given you a very different answer. So the more we've investigated from a geological, geophysical standpoint, the more we realise, you know, in terms of talking about real prospectivity, um, you know, it's it's the unknown in the geological domains that gives you that confidence. It's the fact that you're not just drilling, uh, pattern drilling greenstone belts. It, it, it's 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 prospectivity over and above what you would expect to find in a mature mining environment, and it is counter to what anyone would expect, given that 85, 90 percent of the EBITDA of BHP and Rio Tinto rolls by on rail lines that cross. Can you can you can you give me more because I I, I hear that story a lot there's no kind of substance yep. to it it's just talk um you know it is. What's, what's, is talk. <laughs> i know but i yeah. but given that there's you know 300 other companies talking to saying the same thing i'm trying to work out sure. why you guys because you you put six million bucks into this last october you put another two and a half million bucks in at the beginning of this mm -hmm. year you just raised 5.6 million bucks you've got mm -hmm. your um the ability to kind of cash in the novo resources shares to your chain of mm -hmm. around seven million bucks you're going to have cash to invest and you've done that and set that up based on something other than it's just prospectivity. So yeah. give me more. Oh, well, first of all, the cash we initially put in was to pay off debt. Sure. It's always unfortunate. But you don't do yeah. that. You don't put that into something unless you no, think you're going to you get don't. it out, right? Absolutely. And, and you, you certainly don't put it in to buy 400,000 ounces. Absolutely you don't. So again, yeah, I mean, it's hard to convert, as I said, you know, the reality of exploration is, 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 is you're a cost centre until the minute after you discover something. Um, but the point is, is that, you know, in terms of balancing risk, you know, from a matrix perspective, you know, to go out and find something through drilling, you know, you go through your top-down risk matrix, starts with your country, goes through your geology and all your other elements, and, and, and I know you understand all those very well. Um, in terms of an opportunity and an opportunity to deliver ounces that can truly be mined ounces, not just sort of resource ounces for resource ounces state, you know, but ounces that can actually be mined and processed um, to, you know, on a cash flow basis, you know, it really does provide a fantastic opportunity. So you always start, well, I always start with the country and there are less and less countries I would go to and having been involved in some very large cap companies in Southern Africa and all sorts of other places around the world. Uh, I, I'll be frank with you. I don't think it's an adventure that I would want to take my money on again. 
um, because uh, the investing uh, sort of horizon or, or, or background in a lot of these places is, is, is not what I consider acceptable in terms of taking risk. Um, if you then whittle that down to, okay, we're, I don't think I need to sell West Australia as a mining destination. If you then want to pick up the, the obvious geological prospectivity. Um, and there will continue to be great mines and discoveries found out in Kalgoorlie and in those areas. But, you know, the West Australian gold industry is undergoing a step change. And that step change is, is and myself included, uh, we always like to get a suntan while we're mining. Uh, and that is changing. We are becoming an underground mining environment and a bulk mining underground environment. Um, and that follows the natural course of logic as those shallow deposits are mined out. I think what's different about the Pilbara, uh, as shown by how quickly our project gave up its ounces, and again, previous management should be, uh, should be congratulated for the way they pursued that. And we'll go into sort of the density at which they managed to hit those ounces. Um, I think probably backs up some of what I'm saying. You know, you're 30 kilometres from Karatha, and I, I, I agree, a, a million ounces is our minimum contention. But the fact that the, you know, the drilling success as a percentage of drill holes put into this is so high, and well, there's some graphics on our, uh, on our presentation that can show to that, I think is, is testimony to the, you know, this isn't some old gold occurrence that was dusted off. This was a virgin discovery found 30 case from Karatha. And what it demonstrates is uh, the danger we all suffer in groupthink. You know, and groupthink says that Pilbara is iron ore and the Yilgarn is gold, Kavali being the Yilgarn crater. And, uh, and we're all learning as we go along. That's just not the case. Um, I'm, still, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still struggling, struggling to find a differentiator for you. I get that the Western Australia is gold, I, yeah. but I also know, know and hear most days that uh, there are the companies with million ounce resources and they can't get funding you've got some money in here you've got an opportunity to, to do something you've raised that money and structured that money in a way that's going to allow you to try and do something so you know what is it it's, i get your project one yeah. million ounces great okay. but there's lots of companies like that so what are you going to do and, and you know we haven't even talked about patterson yet but that's even earlier stage so no we'll get on to that it's 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 uh I've, I've been lucky enough to build some big mines and small mines, but there is a big differentiator with us is, is that we own a plant already. Now, the plant is not complete and it's not fit for purpose in terms of a completed plant processing or, or underpinning the mining of a million ounce plus deposit. But it's a long way down the track to doing it. And that is a key differentiator. So, you know, we all know that the enemy of investment is, well, is money and then it's time and the time costs of that money. And in terms of what we're doing, you know, we wanted to step back and go back into the resource build phase because, again, I don't want to digress too much, but I think back in 17, 18, my impression was that the market was confused. So for your viewers' benefit, the company 100% owns the Radio Hill plant. The Radio Hill plant is 25, 30k trucking distance from all of the prospective areas we're talking about. They don't need to build the roads. They're already there to be used. They're gazetted for transport. So they're, they're, a, they're a trucking and a hauling certainty. Um, the Radio Hill plant was built in the 1980s by Arship. It was a nickel mine um, and it was largely mined out by the 90s um, and several companies have had a go at finding more nickel copper uh, mineralization of which to be frank I don't think there's really anything of great significance left. The company bought the plant and it has it's it's got two sort of it's got two sort of arrows to its quiver in terms of the value it adds for us. 
first of all, it's the, the physical nature of it. Okay, so it's it's built. It is not complete for what we would, I, in my experience, would need, but it is quite a long way down the path. The front end of the mill is probably still a bit too small. It's got two bore mills, uh, just under 500,000 tonne per annum. You probably need to add a third uh, to gross that up to sort of 750, 800,000 tonne per annum. Um, Again, in terms of sort of the other associated infrastructure, well, that's all that, you know, from a camp road, you know, we don't have to talk about that. Uh, in terms of the back end, the resources discovered today at Carlo Castle in terms of the 400,000 ounces. And by the way, I would point out that that, that resource was run at $1,700 Australian golds. So it's quite a mean price, but let's just leave it there for the minute. I don't, certainly don't want to argue with anyone about just shifting prices, lifting ounces, you know, we can all play that game. Um, but in terms of, it has copper mineralization and it has cobalt mineralization. Cobalt mineralization actually can actually sometimes be a negative in my experience from a metallurgical perspective. And I'm sure people that are far more qualified than I am can, can, can walk you through why. But of course, when they started drilling this, cobalt was a semi-precious metal at 40,000 a tonne and the like. But the, the met work done to date shows that the sulfide uh, component will float easily. Um, there's not that much gold caught up in it. Most of the gold's recovered in fine and, and coarse gravity. And there is a fine and coarse gravity circuit that is basically largely fit for purpose. I think most of the work would to finish that plant for what in advance of a pre-fee. So I don't want to, I can't preface that um, as you're well aware. But, you know, most of the work I would suggest would be done on that side of the plant, on the sulphide circuit. Um, whether or not you extract the cobalt in the end or you shoot it to tongues, that's just, that is a mathematical uh, okay. decision made at the time. Okay, so but some... that really differentiates us. And sorry, I was just going to say the second important part over mm -hmm. and above capital is time. And it's not just time to construct, it's time to permit. So the, the operations, it's not fully permitted from a full production on a sulphide circuit, but certainly the front bit, and the tailings placement for that front bit are permitted, and obviously the rest of the one side is. Okay, so you've got a plant. Great. Key, key differentiator. I don't know how many other plants there are in the, I don't know, 100 kilometer radius. Uh, about none. About none. Perfect. So that's a differentiator. We got there. Yeah, there's one or two, but they're very small. Yeah. Right. Okay. So it's in care and maintenance at the moment, and you've described some of the things that you might need to do and some money that you might need to spend to kind of get it up to spec. Yep. Once you know more, through the drill bit, right? Yep. You mentioned cobalt there. Is there any arsenic involved with that? Uh, of course there is, always is. Um, in fact, the whole pill was reasonably high arsenic, certainly high arsenic in groundwater as well. What's the implications? So, yep. What's the implications of that? Uh, well, just a stand, you know, we'll just have to deal with it from a metal, from a, it's not so much a metal, metallurgical perspective, it's more a permitting perspective. But again, that's an, an historical issue across the whole region. So yep, that'll need to be addressed, no right. doubt. And everything in metallurgy can be solved. You can extract the periodic table from a grain of sand. It just comes down to cost. So it just has a cost implement. There you go. Uh, it'll well, have a cost. That's, that's what people will want to get to at the point where you're, sure. you're understanding that. Um, so with regards to the mill, we, we've talked about... Uh, so what's the capacity of it, actually? It's only about uh, 500 kilotons, so, so, so half a million tonne per annum. So it's too, a little bit too small at the minute. Right, okay, and that's something that you are looking at for your own needs, not necessarily for tolling at that kind of level, presumably. Look, yeah, look, from a, hey, from a tolling perspective, I think this comes into it, because I, you know, I loathe that word strategic because I see it, we all see it overused, oh, we've got the strategic asset, well, it might be strategic to you, but probably no one else, which 
it makes that comment a nonsense. Um, the short answer is yes, and there are standards, sort of 50,000 uh, 50, ounce type deposits, et cetera, all around them. Some of them we will own, some of them we won't own. Um, and one will always look at that. Have we been approached already by lots of people wanting to talk about tolling operations? Yes, we have. Okay. Um, and they are just decisions, you know, they're decisions made as and when. But at the moment, you know, our key focus is to get the horse and the cart around the right way. You know, you only optimise a plant by optimising your resource and reserve and knowing what your blend's going to be and your feed parameters and all the bog standard things. So, so where I think having the plant has been, uh, is, is clearly a massive asset and a, and a real fixed asset on the balance sheet, it's, it's been a source of confusion in the past, okay, because I think we've seen quite a number of West Australian gold companies uh, in the last three, four years, uh, and I won't use their names, but I mean, you, I'm sure you'll know them, who have made a run too fast at production. They've promised we're going to be in production thing, and they've made an absolute horlicks of it um, and destroyed hundreds of millions of dollars of, of value of value in doing that. Okay. So you, you've, got, you've, got, you've got to get the balance between um, getting a resource of a scale, which is interesting to the market, you've got to get the balance between doing things well, I had that... Well, a DCF basis, you know, you've got to... You've, sure. you've got to have that 15-year mind like to catch. Sure, absolutely, right? And you've got to do things right in, in the right geological context, as in you know, you, your team will want to truly understand what you've got or the potential of what yep. you've got. And then there's a decision to be made around the plant as to what, at what point you think you can go and raise the capital. You're going to need to be able to get that back up and running for your own needs, presumably. So what's that timeline look like? Yeah, look, well, good question. Um, drilling is quick, shallow and fast out there. And that's a combination of how, how, how quickly you can drill the rocks, how close you are to town. I mean, we're 30 k's from Karatha. So all these things conspire to help you. Um, putting the ounces together and drilling under the known resource is the quickest way to add ounces. And that's what we're going to do. So we drilled in April. Uh, it was the first drill campaign I was involved in. And we've basically followed this shallow east or west to east dipping ore body. Um, it's one and a half kilometres long now. And we're going to keep following it. Uh, that comes as it as it dips. You know, it has a has a depth implication. We're only down to about 180 metres at the minute. You know, but of course our job is to go and get the easiest answers we can get in the quickest possible time. I mean, that's basically the task of any. What do team. you mean? What do you mean easiest um, answers? Do you mean your comment well, earlier was talking we about never mineable? Quantify, you talk about mineable yeah, answers, no, right? So what's well, easy well, answers? Well, well, well easy, easy answers is the best answers you can get for the dollar you've got in your pocket. So, you know, many, uh, many investors assume that, uh, and, I, and I know many won't assume this, but lots of people I come across in day-to-day life say, well, you've done a resource, you've gone out and captured everything that's in front of you. And we, we know that's not true. All mines grow, differentiate your resource. You might have a starter resource that'll get you going and then et cetera. So, so our job is to try and balance what's in the, what's in the till to how quickly we can deliver those ounces. And there's, there's two obvious ways to do that. Drill around your known resource and add those ounces. And that is inherently the quickest and most obvious way to do it, okay? And then there's classic low-hanging fruit. What's next door? What's down the road? And, and I think coming back to your earlier question about why the prospectivity in the Pilbara, you know, I was stunned that and there are no drill holes between us and our westernmost project. That's 20 kilometres, not, not one drill hole which is pretty remarkable if you really think about, you know, what people are turning up and the sort of the geology that's at surface 
Um, you know, I'd be a much better geologist if I'd been walking around up there because all I learned to do was map different colors of red dirt, okay, around Kalgoorlie, because that's what we did as exploration geologists. So, but back to your question about balance, it's about balancing that. So we're frankly going to do both. So we're going to drill around our known resource, okay. Uh, we have no limits to the resource in terms of its down dip to the east and the south. Uh, what is 50, 100 metres away? We don't know. We have already developed up all our regional targeting and we've recently started drilling those regional targets. Uh, and that involves geochem, all the full geophysical suite, including subaudio magnetics and all sorts of higher end uh, uses and, and also sort of IP and those sorts of things. Um, we've got all that work done. That work is done and we've basically started our systematic low hanging fruit versus, and we're going to be back now we're funded to do it. We're going to be back around the resource, just drilling out. We don't need to, in terms of drill density, it's not so much, I suspect, but I can't warrant that we would maybe jump a category in terms of resource because most of the resource to date was drilled using diamond, which was uh, diamond core, which is pretty Rolls Royce. Can, can, can I, can I just um, ask, sorry, sorry, Alistair, yeah. just for fear of you kind of downloading everything to me at one go. I want, I want to get yeah. back to the point of the question, which was you talked about mineable answers and easy answers. Easy mm -hmm. answers, I was trying to understand, are those the kind of answers, talk about games being played, the easy mm -hmm. answers which get the market excited and allows you to raise money to do what you want, or do you think oh, you've got the money <laughs> today, do you think you've got mm -hmm. the money today to actually go after the mineable solid, real answers that you need as a, well, potential mine operator at some point? Yeah, sure. Sure. Look, hey, good question. Good question for anyone, actually. Uh, I've not been asked this one before. I think the honest answer is there's always a combination of the two in any resource. You know, any resource is, you know, input in, input out. And, and, and companies and and people doing resource, you know, when I started, resources were generated internally within the companies. It's only in the last 20 years that they've been outsourced on a wholesale basis. It depends, you know, garbage in, garbage out in models, garbage in, garbage out in resources. Look, uh, I can honestly say that there is no way I would put out, you know, certainly, you know, from a choosing your gold price and your other basic inputs, if you get too cute, you get found out. I mean, you just do, and so you should too. And so that's the short answer is it's mineable answers that count. Um, you know, the problem with a resource and a reserve is that it is an economic consideration and economics change daily. We all know that. But you do tend to get found out, especially, you know, the, the West Australian gold industry is a very well-trodden path. People know, you know, I can, I'm sure you can too. You can have a quick scan at a project and you go, you're kidding, guys, you know, or you go, hey, yeah, you know, that, 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 that'll form a robust project. I think where we are today, you know, in terms of what we're doing, you know, we will chase those ounces, but we'll only chase them so far. And this is what I mean about the near resource. Because the simple answer is, if I spend money following those ounces down just to create a big number, you know, it would be deleterious to our investment and all of our investment as shareholders if I don't go chase shallower ounces somewhere. So it, it, I know it's it's not an evasive answer, it, but it is genuinely a balance. It's, 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 it's constantly looking what you're doing, saying, hey guys, is this the right thing? Do you not uh, feel? Do you not feel? Like, do you not feel in this gold bull environment? <clears throat> it it covers up a multitude of sins. It allows totally. you 
to yep. not you one <laughs> to mm-hmm. um, perhaps take that route because you're building up the value in terms of market cap share price not necessarily no. real answers in the ground and that's what I'm trying to get at with you what type of company mm. are I you? think yeah look again and this isn't about certainly pointing fingers and this is now portraying oneself as the sort of you know as as a sort of some angelic figure in the industry because it is a balance because you know we have other considerations now, companies have other considerations at what levels are they raising capital how does that dilute the ongoing shareholders so look back to your point high gold price in high anything price in any industry creates laziness and it creates cynical investments and you're seeing that this is not related to just the mining industry seen it across industries time immemorial. The simple point is that I do feel that companies, uh, especially given a string of high profile failures a couple of years ago in Western Australia, which was really unusual. I hadn't personally seen that on a level, uh, they all came at once. Um, There was a string of failures where, to be frank, anyone in the industry knew the resources were too skinny. So if you asked anyone, you know, and said, oh, what do you think of X, Y, they're going into production on this 0.9 gram ore body. We knew that. I mean, everyone knew they were going to get found out. Now, unfortunately, a lot of shareholders didn't know that. And institu- I was surprised institutions went in so hard. Exactly. The short answer is any company will pl- will do both. They just will. Um, we, we, we've also, we've also seen the... It's uh, too cute. We'll get yeah. found out. Mostly. We've also seen the other side of that coin in this current environment where companies have got nothing, have got huge market caps because yep. it's just that kind of environment. So um, let's let's move on there. I just wanted to talk that I'm trying to get inside your head and try and work out what you know what your mentality is with regards to creating value yep. and what where you think value lies. Okay. Um, both wh- is resource ounces <coughs> and exploration ounces. Okay. And shareholder value. Um, so what are you going to do with that cash? How do you spend the cash in the most uh, optimized way, the way that's going to deliver yep. the best value quickest for shareholders. Look again, you know, our programs are, you know, nothing set in stone and we review them all the time. And the last drill hole will always tell you something about the next set of drill holes you're going to drill. And that's the reality. But, you know, our program is, is, is again very simple and it's, and it's very public. You know, we're on a rolling program of regional exploration. We use an RC rig at just under $30 a metre. We drill. It's 25 to 48 meter holes and we are drilling our targets we've just finished carlo west and we we threw a bit of a curveball in and drilled something else called sing six um that the team have developed up our in terms of bringing our uh expiration targets i think i made this point a minute ago we're not just starting with a blank sheet of paper we've, we've act within reason you're always reviewing but we kind of finished that all that generation across our entire land holding and we're going out and testing them and every hole will tell us what we then do next. The key points are the exploration is extremely cost efficient. We can cover these targets quickly. Um, we can have the assays the next day, overnight truck down to Perth at the labs. You know, we're not waiting on mass, even though the, 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 the industry is pretty intense at the moment. I, he touches some wood. You know, the turnaround of ALS and those in Perth is not too bad, um, despite the activity. And our access to men and machinery is very good. Um, that may change over time as more people are working, but at the moment, it's pretty good. So I think that's a huge sort of bonus for us in terms of how we, you know, how we cover the maximum amount of ground for the minimum amount of dollar. 
That's as simple as, as, as that can be. And back to what I said about building our resource ounces, you know, we're just going to keep following those ounces. You know, we aren't going to follow one gram dirt down to 400 metres to get back to your point. You know, there is, there is frankly no point. You know, we're not going to be going underground at Carlet Castle. So, you know, we'll, we'll make those decisions based on experience. It's not our first rodeo. We've built mines around the world. We've built big ones, small ones. Um, and, you know, I, I hate to say it, and I'm sure you come across a lot this, you know, we all do feasibility studies and pre-feasibility studies and bankable feasibility studies, but you know and I know that in this industry, we can do a back of the fag packet on day one uh, within probably plus or minus 10, 15%. It's, we, we still have to go through all these steps and I'm not poo-pooing that, but that is the basic reality. Why did you, you've been around industry. Why did you, you offload Purdy's reward to Novo? Um, why wasn't it the top two? That's not our business. It's right. not our business. We are not uh, miners who operate on the alluvial scale, okay? Um, that is a decision that you just take. It's as simple as that. Um, it doesn't reflect on the value of that project whatsoever, but at the end of the day, that project also had some cash call considerations. Uh, people forget, it's great to have lots of tenements. Hey, you've got to pay for them. You've got to pay for them manually. So, you know, when I see people talk about how many tenants they got, I go, yeah, how much is that costing you? Um, and from a joint venture perspective, you know, they are experts in that field. We have, I have no expertise in alluvial gold or paleo place of gold uh, deposits. So it's as simple as that. Okay. Um, LSE listing, you guys are all in London, aren't you? Uh, well, Mark and I are, <laughs> and, we're, and that's not changing in a hurry, unfortunately, with the travel restrictions. We've got a perfectly good team down in Perth. Um, look, this isn't an ideal world we're in. Um, I was actually on one of the last flights back from Perth. I just had an afternoon with the engineers who did the work on Radio Hill and literally, rather than fly to Melbourne for the second leg of the trip to go visit institutions that I knew and some new ones, um, it was literally on the flight that night. But look, that aside, uh, are we operating uh, at 100% capacity uh, with the human resources we've got? Yes, we are. Okay, simple as that. I'll go into that. And, and where we saw a deficiency and certainly where we saw where we wanted some world-beating expertise, we got a grouping called Resource Potentials, and maybe we'll talk about that in a minute with Patterson. But um, in terms of the people we've got, we're... Perfectly I'm not sorry, I'm talking about that. I'm talking about the money that you raised recently pretty much came out of London. Oh, right? so, I do apologise. Yeah. So why, there's more interest over here. You've got whatever, a billion shares. Oh, look, there's, so. there's pl plenty of interest in Australia too. No, 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 I don't, I don't want to underplay that. Um, but look, what always works, one's relationships. And, you know, if you make people money last time, they tend to be more amenable to giving you money this time. And, and it's, I think it's as simple as that. I certainly think that in turn from a Pilbara perspective and maybe segueing onto the East Pilbara and the Patterson, the, the really interesting dynamic at play, one that I haven't seen before, you know, in that many of your viewers will be familiar with Great and Gold. And as I mentioned to you off camera, you know, we were in my investment company, we were an early investor in Great and Gold and that came back. I wrote my thesis on sort of those style, Telford style intrusive related. So I'd always kept an eye out for something going on in that area because other than 27 million ounces of Telford, nothing had ever turned up. But you had a UK listed junior that had made 
what I believe still, and I think that's been borne out in the 18 months we've been investors, uh, one of the best gold discoveries in Western Australia for 20, 50 years, call it what you want. Um, and then you had a major in Newcrest and nothing in between, no way for the Aussie retail or Aussie investors to really get any exposure to it because, of course, Newcrest being a $30 billion company, you're going to get lost in there. So I think that was, that, you know, in, in, in a bizarre way, I could sit and talk in the city about the Pattersons and when I was sitting in some boardrooms in Perth, uh, a lot of them did know about it, but a lot of them didn't, which, which I found really quite, uh, it was quite interesting and it was just one of those flukes, you know, flukes of circumstance that uh, threw up a situation of arbitrage. Okay, so is that, that's a no. Yeah. I'm going with that's a no. Oh, look, um, I've been, well, in fact, from a dualistic perspective, I've been involved in several dualistic companies, one in ASX 100, Australia and, and Mainboard Canada. Um, ask Rio Tinto if they think their dualistic structure is efficient and delivers for shareholders. Uh, I'd be surprised if they gave you a good answer. Um, I haven't seen it done very effectively. There are, I think Adriatic's done a pretty good job recently here. Um, I know that asset, it's a good asset. But look, no, in the short term, we've done a lot of work on that. Um, but at the moment, we genuinely have our hands full too. Um, okay. I think one of the problems, I don't want to get into the, the mechanics of listing, but you know and I know, you have to freeze your your work programs, you have to freeze your accounts. Yeah. So, so are you worried way. about the overhang? Um, because obviously, say, you no. know, end of, end of 18 through 19 through 20, it's steep decline. There's a lot yep. of people sitting underwater at the moment. Are you worried as you tell this story, you're going to have to have such a head of speed, head of speed to burst through those overhangs uh, to keep mm. people interested? Are you going to be able to do that? Yeah. Good question. I, again, I probably would have given you a different answer in January because when I joined, you know, you, you see, a, you, you think, you know, you can either imagine or you do see a tsunami coming at you and, and you think that exact thing. Um, the short answer is I don't think I'm seeing it on the screen and I don't just mean a rising share price. I don't think you see huge lines of stock or huge sort of levels of stock coming at you. Again, I think that's good timing, is it not? I'm not seeing huge walls of people wanting to sell any gold stocks at the moment, I mean, as a general comment. But, yeah, of course you're going to have to chew. You always have to chew through a register. And that can be whether you have a, a disaffected uh, group below you or a very enfranchised and profitable group beneath you. I mean, you, you just have to deal with that on a daily basis. Look, I hear too many people in my situation constantly whinging about their share register, you know. It's called being a public company. You know, if you, all you can do is manage those as best you can. First of all, you know, on an, you know, people claim that institutions are the panacea of share registers. I would beg to differ with that, you know, as a wholesale comment. You know, I've had plenty of incidences in my past uh, with larger companies where block shareholders uh, can be an absolute nightmare. And I don't mean from sort of, and I mean from when they want to sell, just on that basic perspective. So, uh, no, I, you know, I went into this knowing that good, bad or indifferent, you're going to have to chew through your register, you're going to have to reset levels. Um, we've all been disaffected shareholders. I've been disaffected shareholder in plenty of companies um, and we all know what it's like. Uh, but if you, yeah, you just got to address it and churn through it. Um, but I don't see any great problems.
Okay, Alistair, I know you want to talk about Patterson very quickly, so why don't we just sure. kind of give, me, give me the 30 seconds on Patterson. What's happening there? So what's, what have we yep. got to look forward to? Sure. Look, we, uh, good luck, good timing. You know, we picked up a tenement in 2018, uh, just before Javieron was really discovered. Um, you need a bit of good luck in this industry. Anyone who doesn't tells you that is, is lying. Um, we have worked the tenement up from a geochemical, geophysical perspective, and we bought a group in called Resource Potentials, who are super smart group. Um, you are drilling under 400 metres of cover. You need to think long and hard and apply a lot of science before you start banging holes away. That being said, it's not actually that deep anymore. Those, those sort of holes, you know, 500 metre holes, were uh, unheard of when I was in industry, and now they are just daily occurrences. In fact, you know, seven to 800 metre holes. But basically, I think so a lot of your viewers and people who followed the company will know we're getting to the pointy end of the process. Uh, we have been very clear that we intend to have our drill uh, plan, if you like, revealed. Um, and that's due relatively soon. Once the guys are finished, we pull it together. Um, and it will be a pretty weighty uh, update for everyone to keep an eye out because it is uh, hugely interpretive on geology, structure, geophysics, geochemistry. It might all sound boring, um, but when you've got 20 million, you know, 10 to 20 million ounce, maybe more deposits next door, um, it gets it gets your attention. Um, so we're sort of coming to the end of that. It's kind of pulling the net closed on that process. Um, so I'm looking forward to having that out uh, in the near future. And there's no, uh, we're certainly the market that should be expecting that. Um, and then it's getting out there and doing some work. Um, I think we're probably going to do a bit more work than maybe people uh, we had thought or contemplated in the past, and that's based on geological synthesis of, of ideas. And it's, I'm pretty sure we're going to turn a few heads too. And again, you know, geologists love pointing at maps and waving their arms and coming up with sort of all those hypotheses. But, you know, th th there's a simple answer to why this is so important. Look at the size of the prizes that are on show. You know, there aren't, I never thought I'd have an opportunity to drill next. And, and it's, you know, neurology is a funny old thing because plenty of people, eh, neurology, so what? Neurology is really important. The best place to find a gold mine is next to another gold mine. And that has been proved over thousands of years. Uh, when you've got the same structures, the same geology, the same plumbing, you know, gold deposits need one thing, even paleoplacer ones back when they were rivers, you need plumbing of some sort. And when that plumbing runs through your ground, you should be excited about what you're doing. Um, and that's what we're doing. So anyway, that should be coming out and, you know, uh, we're pulling our contractors together now, our tenders, and we'll be out talking about that and hopefully out drilling. Uh, we should be out drilling in August. Um, and, you know, let's wait and see what we turn up. But, you know, I contend to you the following observations as a sort of early investor in Greatlands. You know, when Gervais and Callum threw up HAD5, which a lot of your viewers will remember was so much the discovery hole but it was the wow look at that i mean incredible 275 at 4.7 4.7 grams etc you know they were standing and this is a really remote part even by west australian stance a remote part of the world um and they stood out there with one of the best drill holes i've ever seen and it was like what next guys um and that was the commercial reality of where they stood and they went and did a fantastic jv with newcrest and, and look what's happening now the decline team's going to be motivated Newcrest has been absolutely hammering at night and day, and it's you know, it, it it's on its way to being a production scenario to feed telfers. That is, 
you know, not very often in this industry you can say there's truly a win for absolutely everyone involved, and that's great. But the fundamental difference now is we know that that one drill hole turned out to be a pretty special ore body. Um, so we now know what we're looking for. We know what the tenor, the potential size could be. But also it allows us varying degrees of success. You know, success is fantastic drill intercept, the similar to the one I've just described. But it's also proving that our ground is mineralised as well because you know, our contention, and it would be our contention, but our contention based on not just neurology, but structural geology, geophysics, et cetera, is that the system that created Haveron runs through our ground. And we know that if we can demonstrate that to be true, either in whole, in part, it can be black, it can be white, it can be a shade of grey, um, that would be a real step change. For Great. Alistair, thank you very much for running through the story. It's new to us, the first time we've spoken. Um, stay in touch. Let us know how you uh, develop things over the next few months. Hopefully uh, get some results back from the drill bit. Look forward to hearing from you. Thanks so much for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.